Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Hi, welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by SpannersReady.com, bringing you podcasts, blogs, news. It's just me and my friends really chatting. I brought one friend today, and that's Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Yeah, and it's sad that you have to pay me to be your friend, but still, here I am. Well, you could ask me Sorry. how I am. I could ask you how you were. I couldn't resist, but zing. Yeah, no, how is it going? I feel like it's been a month since I saw you last. Well, it's only been a week, but the time has felt the same for me because it's the Christmas season, and I'm not going to lie to you, I have been drinking too much, uh, too frequently, and I don't see it stopping for a while. Uh, yeah, I think we have at least, over here in the States, at least four years of uh, drinking entirely too much ahead of us, at a minimum. Well, I was thinking about the Christmas period, but you've politicized it. Fantastic. Okay, sorry, that'll be the last mention of how terrible things are. Uh, it's all F1 from here on in. Yeah, well, actually, the main reason it felt so long for me, though, is as I'm sure you know from my multiple social media postings, I, I actually had consistently eight, eight, because I know you follow me like <laughs> constantly because you're jealous. I ate eight services in five days in addition to my regular teaching. So it's been a very, very long week. Yeah, I was going to save that for Spanner's Log, which we will be recording on this same stream, by the way, uh, to so if you if you really feel like you haven't had your feel of me and Matt over the summer, over the summer, over the winter, and you miss us, you can always catch us on Spanner's Log, where we'll be talking about sort of more general interest stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I have the same thing with my wife. She's very seasonal. We've had Christmas concerts. So just when everybody else is chilling out, this is the only time that musicians really work for a living. Well, I wouldn't say it's the only time we really work for a living. But, but for those of us who've moved on to do things more than just playing... Yeah, this is the time of year that it gets really, really busy. 
Now, we promised that Missed Apex was only going to go bi-weekly. Is that the way you say it? Or, or bi- is bi-weekly every two weeks or twice a week? Uh, I don't know. I could Google it if you really want me to. No, no, it's fine. But we were going to go to every two weeks. But it, it turns out there's actually a packed schedule for things we wanted to do before Christmas. So we're actually unlikely to take a break, including Christmas Day, where Ryan Ferret Ferris is doing a Room 101 style F1 show for us to all participate in. So I think we all get to condemn something from Formula One history to the bin forever. So to, to never be talked about again. Yes. Well, if he's planning to do it Christmas Day, he should probably keep in mind that I work a large chunk of Christmas Day. Okay, you've ruined the magic there. We are going to pre-record that, Matt, and and then just play it on Christmas Day. So when you're thoroughly fed up with your relatives and you need to go and have a a lie down, you can have something to stick in your ears F1-wise. Yeah, that sounds like a great plan. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it, even though I don't know what Room 101 is and I have no intention of actually learning anything that might be considered rules. Okay, uh, read 1984. Room 101 is where you go to confront your worst fears. And uh, it was also then a British TV show where people brought things in from popular culture that they wanted to be condemned forever. So you could take the Spice Girls to Room 101. And in the world of that show, that was it. You were condemning it to Room 101 to never be seen again. Uh, It all sounds very British and I don't understand it. So I will simply show up and wreck things. Excellent. Fantastic. Ryan will enjoy that as an inexperienced presenter. Uh, And also we've (laughs) we've been talking to (laughs) Summers who would love to do a 2016 tech time wrap up. Well, I, I, I have in mind, actually, honestly, multiple shows, a tech wrap up, definitely. But even though you might think 2020 is way far away in terms of regulations, not so much. And I've had it in mind that we should have a I want a pony show for Summers and anyone else we can get on of a technical mind for what the next set of regulations should be because I think that would be just a cracking discussion. Yeah, no, I don't mind that either, actually. I know it's a long time away, but what we're really talking about is the soul of F1 and the philosophy of the sport going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be, it would be brilliant because these are the people that know the most about what really makes the sport tick. And it's nice here that we've actually had some people jump in the chat room, even though it's just a waffle cast. So hello, guys, especially to the guys who were helping me sound check before the show Blackout 19. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Stephen Osborne, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm going to read all of it. one And Sam Harper for helping me. Um, Nick Sylvan says, Spanner's log sounds a bit a bit rude. No, don't know why. No, don't know. And Paul Wright says, I'm drinking Advocate out of a mug and I'm ready. To be fair, we're, we're both drinking as well, so we can't judge anyone. Also, we've now officially got a WhatsApp group with the Badger GP boys. And I've been speaking to Craig Norman of Badger GP, planning it. And he's going to be hosting the show. I'll, I'll MC it as normal. But what he said is he's going to have a load of topics in a hat. And he's going to pull random ones out for you, me, and the Badger writers to sort of, so we don't have time to plan. And my reaction was, yeah, it always works really well when you when you don't plan the content. Yeah, the less planning, the better. It always, always is brilliant. Brilliant. He'll show up, be completely unprepared, and excellent things will happen. I think his thinking was he wanted to keep us on his toes. So I think he's going to actually test. You see, that guy's got a wealth of Formula One knowledge and experience from writing. And he's going to put us to the test, Matt. I, f- I, I fear that you will do better at that test than I will. But... F- ah. Not hardly. I have no, I no longer form short term memory. So, you know, if he's asking about pre 1985, I might have a chance. Otherwise, 
all all the brilliance that you hear is coalesced <laughs> and dispersed. And I just got to keep, you know, because like I'm an older model. I only got so much RAM. I got to keep it clear. You know what I'm saying? Is it like Memento where you've got tattoos all over your body of interesting statistics and facts like post-race? You just a new tattoo. Who's my new John G? Exactly. I, I long time learned to go to differentiate between facts I could look up on the Internet and facts that I actually had to have with me in order to function. <laughs> Cool. I tell you what, it's eight minutes in. We weren't lying about Wafflecast, were we? No, seven minutes in. Uh, okay, so what I'm going to do then is I'm going to ask you about something that happened recently. Oh, don't normally bring out the bumpers for a Wafflecast, but why not, Matt, eh? All right, so big news. Mercedes turned around and said it wasn't wrong to do team orders. Oh, no, hang on, the other way around. It was wrong of them to do the team orders in Abu Dhabi, but we'll get to that later. The person who ended up giving those team orders, though, was Paddy Lowe, who we've seen as something of a stalwart of Mercedes, the voice of God over the tannoy, if you want. They're their new equivalent to Ross Braun, getting Ross Braun on the radio. is the Paddy Lowe on the radio. It's kind of a big deal at Mercedes. Now, seemingly out of the blue, we're hearing rumours that he is... He's not going to be at Mercedes any longer. His contract was up for a renewal, I understand. And now the talk is of a return to Williams. And then I've seen some more clickbaity articles linking him to Ferrari as well. But is this true? Are we are we seeing the first of the triumvirate removed from Mercedes? Right. Well, it sounds like there were about 17 points in there to be addressed. 18 so points. Where, where would you like to start? With the low leaving or you want to start all the way back at the race? Okay. You know, decisions are, are really your forte. I'm more about okay. pressing record. But okay, tell you what, let's leave the race stuff till later. All right. Well, let's talk about the latest rumors, which is, of course, that Lowe will be decamping to Williams either for the start of the season or six months later, depending upon the gardening leave rules, which I have helpfully not looked up for anyone. I've heard that he might be simply out of contract as of the end of December, and that's being the case. He might be able to go to Williams sooner than is normally permissible. Not sure if that's really going to happen or not. Um, wait, wait, wait. So if he was in contract and he was deciding to retire... I assume he'd have it in his contract, right, you can't go anywhere else for a year, and then hopefully your information is out of date. But because he's simply out of contract, he's not going to have those same restrictions. Right. Basically, normally, if you leave, you resign, you say, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave Sauber and go to Ferrari. Normally, when you do that, the rules of Formula One prevent you from actually picking up the reins and doing anything for a set period of time. I want to say it's six months. I'd have to look it up. It's actually not in the regulations, fascinatingly enough. It's a decision of the stewards at the last race of 2015, which all came about because of the Haas-Ferrari collaboration. So that's where you <laughs> got you to go find that decision yeah. and look at what they said to know how long it's going to be. Uh, but pretty much it's just to prevent people from you know, taking technicians and sending them to a, t a customer team for a period of a week or two to get them set up and then coming back. Yeah, uh, that that that's kind of the point of the whole thing. So but because of the contractual niceties of it, he might be able to get into Williams sooner rather than later is one thing that I've seen written. But the fascinating the most fascinating thing I've seen written is that one of his biggest complaints is that unlike Nikki and Toto, he does not have a piece of Mercedes and that that right. was something he really wanted and they were unwilling to give it to him. 
That's interesting. And there's, you know, the conspiracy theorists about Nico Rosberg having been handed the title, basically, which we don't subscribe to here. But part of that was that he was given shares of the Mercedes race team, I think, or it might have been Mercedes as a whole. But you could imagine if that had any truth to it and Paddy's still kind of on the edge being kept away from that kind of arrangement, that would cause some bitterness. Yeah, well, I mean, what it sets up is a very unequal playing field. You've got Toto and Nikki owning a chunk of the team and very likely to own the whole team come 2020. And conversely, you have Patty, who arguably, whatever you think of him as an engineer, bears at this point a fair degree of responsibility for the continued success of the team being denied that. That's not an equal playing field, and he might resent that. And, and word is that Williams might be willing to give him what he asks for. I tell you what, the chat room is wading in with some proper interesting stuff here. Uh, Blackout19 suggesting that Paddy to Williams could actually soften the blow of taking Bottas away from Mercedes and leaving them with maybe two rookies uh, as a kind of pot sweetener. Yeah, and now that's an interesting little molehill to get into. I think it's already come out today that, that, that Williams have rejected Mercedes' advances. And if I was Williams, if if they really wanted Botas, they would have to pay a large and unreasonable amount of money and intellectual property to get him. He is their only driver to carry over from the previous season. And yeah. Stroll is completely without experience in Formula One. So giving up Botas is giving up a huge thing. On the other hand, if they get low and Lowe's knowledge of how the engine is packaged, especially if they get it on January 1. Yeah. Keeping Botas and having low will put them much more on an equal footing with Mercedes. Not entirely because, of course, most of the car has already been designed. And let's face it, it was not the world's best car this year. However, it, it looks likely that they could have a, uh, a B-spec car out with low that could make them much, much more competitive. And the loss of low to continue running the Mercedes program simultaneously could really hamper them going forward especially with a big aero change does it not do williams not risk ruining their relationship with their engine supplier if mercedes are not totally on board with paddy low leaving if there's some animosity i i think they possibly risk that but on the other hand i don't see that being a problem for them as there are now rules in formula one that ensure everybody gets gets an engine for a set price the Renault engine was looking a lot better at the end of last season. The Honda engine might now be something worth having. And nah. they're guaranteed a supply of Mercedes engines for next year. They have a whole season to uh, poke and prod the merchandise, as it were. They were, but I suspect that having the engine is only half the battle and integration plays quite a big part. So having a great relationship with Mercedes and, and knowing the best way to integrate it into the rest of your systems. Am I right in thinking that the combustion unit, is that different to the, is that the whole engine they get? They get the whole engine, including the clutch, but there's still going to be interfaces into the rest of the car that, that you know, that Mercedes are going to have better knowledge of than, say, Williams Force India Manor. Well, and that's what they mean by the packaging, meaning that when you're designing the chassis, if you're a manufacturer team or you're, you're, working with your engine supplier, you the, both the shape of the engine and the shape of the chassis can become interdependent and therefore you can get a better outcome. As a customer team, you get the general outline of what the engine is going to be, but you don't have that same degree of specificity. 
So if you choose a different aero route, for example, shape of the engine can really catch you out. And we saw it being a big problem for uh, Toro Rosso last year as they oh, were yeah, uncertain yeah. who was going to be supplying their engine. So how, how sure are we that this is a real thing and not just the rumor mill? Like, there's been, there seems to have been a lot of separate sources because the first place we heard it from was Italy, wasn't it? And that sort of seems to have rolled around. But you never know if all these multiple sources have a, a common like a press release or a common leak yeah no and and we're not really sure um we're not going to be sure till it happens because i think that's generally the nature of these negotiations but very very uh, you know something is clearly afoot at mercedes and something big because you just wouldn't i don't think you wouldn't see even in the absence of a season this kind of this amount of smoke were there not something smoldering somewhere let's just put it that way so that kind of bren brens that kind of blends in nicely to the abu dhabi race so we could kind of go there because he has sort of spoken out to say hey those en- those calls on the team orders they weren't really me and we've not really heard stuff from like that from paddy before he's been like a real you know team player but he seems very keen to distance himself from the repeated engine call, uh, engine calls, team order calls. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, I, I can share a helpful work experience here. Good. In that once I was called in for a meeting and, and I was being complained to vociferously about uh, information derived from a spreadsheet I put together, and specifically that I wasn't doing nearly as much work as I ought to be doing based on what I had told my administrators. Yeah. And when I pointed out that they were looking at a spreadsheet that was sorted according to a particular function, which gave them entirely incorrect data, they were in a very big hurry to get away from it as rapidly as possible. To distance themselves from your work. Yeah, well, from from their complaints about what I was up to, because, of uh. course, they were completely wrong about what they were complaining about because they were not smart enough to read an actual spreadsheet. And now, while I'm not criticizing Paddy Lowe, the way in which he has shifted the blame is interesting because he's pinned it all, well, a lot on an analyst, an unnamed analyst on the pit wall. And he's basically, what he's implied is that this analyst was going purely by the graphs and what the graphs said and was showing complete unawareness of the tactical situation. So I think Paddy's words were something like, yes, but of course the graph says we might not win, but surely when he sees a red car, he'll put the throttle down and he'll go away. I can't believe there's someone working at F1 on the pit wall who didn't realize that Lewis Hamilton would let one car get in and then would be able to either hold off or pull away from the car that had thus overtaken. Yeah, well, even when it happened, and even when we were saying, oh, we were finding we might lose the race, I was like, you cannot be you cannot be a team principal and seriously say that. I mean, it, it just it blew my mind because it was obvious that the Mercedes had plenty of pace to keep from being overtaken by anyone other than potentially another Mercedes. And even then, it would have been kind of, you know, catch as catch can, as it were. It, it just it blew my mind. And I think Lowe was probably, you know, it's like one of those things. You get a direct order to do a really stupid thing, and you're like, hey, okay, <laughs> it seems pretty stupid. And I don't know. I don't think an unnamed analyst on a pit wall has the authority to tell Patty Lowe to make that call to Lewis. Do you? 
No, no, you're absolutely right, which is why it made it all the more surprising. But I think he claimed, and someone in the chat room said it as well, that that order came from Toto. And I'm not sure how the hierarchy works, whether Toto has like the veto on team orders and he can come over and and tell him to do it. But right. Yeah. Yeah. So the intern has come to your boss and told him that you're in danger of burning down the entire company. And your boss comes to you and you say, uh, that's entirely not the case because you have overlooked this absolutely real world thing. And then your boss tells you to do it anyway. What conclusions do you draw? That there's an ulterior motive. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Clearly, if your boss is going to listen to an intern instead of someone who's in charge of the entire technical well-being of the team, uh, perhaps it's time to look for a new job. Possibly. And Paul Wright is saying tinfoil hats at the ready. But, you know, that that could be a source. You were saying it might be about the shares. But, you know, it could be over this because it's a very passionate and emotive issue. And now everything we're hearing from Mercedes is backtracking from initial criticism of Lewis Hamilton and saying, hey, he's in serious trouble here because he disobeyed team orders. Now everything coming out of there is, nope. No, no, it's we, that was our bad, our bad. Well, not my personal bad. This guy over here is bad, and Lewis was completely right to do it. Yes, we should not have let that intern who gets the coffee sit on the pit wall and make calls based on a software program. <laughs> I just, I, the, 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 it, it, it's quite easy for people sort of at home to go, oh, yeah, yeah, some analyst. Yeah, he's clever, but he's got no common sense. But that is that, that's beyond common sense. It was a complete no-brainer. So there's something... Something there uh, is not right, and it does it does make the whole Paddy Lowe leaving, not renewing his contract, believable. We now we now have sort of several lines of evidence to suggest why he might not be completely happy there. Yeah, so you're saying basically something rotten in Brackley, as it were. Oh no, I don't want to say that. I like Mercedes as a team. I like them as an organization. Shakespearean quote. That's a Shakespearean quote. Hamlet. Something rotten in Denmark. Come on, everybody knows this. Sorry. But, but it, apparently not everybody knows this. it's entirely possible for two very likable and nice men to fall out for example so it's entirely possible that you know toto wolf with the best intentions fell out with paddy Lowe with the best intentions over tactics and ethos that's perfectly yeah. reasonable i'm certain paddy Lowe would have told them that they would look like idiots if they made that call and they told them to make it idiot anyway and if really there were a big disagreement about the money and the shares in addition to that, he might just see it as time to head for greener pastures. And Williams could is with Lance Stroll coming in. And if they lose Botas to Mercedes, Mercedes will owe them a bucket. And mm-hmm. then you bring somebody maybe like Nazaren, who also has good sponsorship and is a decent driver. Nazareth yeah. Williams makes sense, doesn't it? We will get to that. Let's see what the chat room is saying about this conversation. Blackout 19. It was initially to protect the corporate image. I guess since then they have re- realized the public bash- backlash was actually worse for the team. And this comes back to Lewis Hamilton has just got the weight of fans, hasn't he? So, I mean, I see the pressure their social media guys come under. When you talk about corporate image versus social media image, fan service, they will tend to lean towards satisfying Lewis Hamilton in a way because it generates the least problems, especially with Nico out of the equation because Heartbreak Ridge sort of quotes them as saying, Lewis is in trouble. Oh, what's that? Nico's leaving? No, no, no. Lewis is awesome. Yeah. Well, again, you're looking at now they're going to want Hamilton on their side. Absolutely. Because he's their only carried over driver. The car will be aimed directly at him. He will have a huge advantage within the team. 
for at least about the first half of the year, I would have to guess. But on top of it, I mean, if you're Lewis, what are you really going to make of all this? I mean, I think he was just kind of bemused by it all. And and frankly, the point I want to make is you say he has a weight of, of the fans on his side. But as someone who who watched the race, I got to say the race was a heck of a lot more exciting because of his tactics. It would have been really boring if he'd driven as fast as he could the whole race. I mean, that was his other option. I'm going to drive so fast, maybe Rosberg will try and keep up with me and blow up his engine by accident. I don't know. Of the two, backing him into traffic seems like a more likely option. And because of that, the whole end of the race was exciting. Can you imagine how dull that race would have been? Yeah. Well, Lewis is three minutes ahead of the field. Nico is one and a half minutes ahead of the field. And, uh, oh, look, Sebastian put on some different tires. Woohoo. What's been overlooked of that race is the fact that Lewis Hamilton could not only have allowed a Ferrari past and then re-overtaken him at will. I believe he could have done it with Nico Rosberg as well. He was properly, properly in control of that race in, in a way that only he seems to do this season and the way that Sebastian Vettel used to do in years gone by. And you know what he really wanted to have happen more than anything else, and it would have been so brilliant, was for him to get Rosberg in a position where he had to try and pass him and then just take him right off the track so two or three cars could go by with only a few laps left. And I then, know that's oh, what he wants. And then Lewis could have really had the pace to get past them. Did Rosberg have the pace to then go and retake them? <laughs> yeah, but... Well, no. He, I, I mean, How many times yeah. has Lewis taken Rosberg off track without penalty this year? He's really good at that game. He, he's he, on the yeah. outside mm. and then he'll be on the inside and he'll just take that take you right off the track and here comes the Ferrari and here comes the Red Bull and now you've got two you've got one car to overtake and three or four laps left but I don't think Vettel was going to play that game for him in any event bit of sarcasm in the chat room Paul Wright says all year Merck managed to make themselves look quite cool and then they proper went and ruined it all in the last race uh, heartbreak ridge replies with all year Spain says hi. Yeah, no, that's a good point. They weren't fantastic in Spain either. Uh, the best thing about Spain was they all came out and said completely different things at the same time to different news outlets, which made for fantastic sort of social media media fighting, didn't it? It was great. Yeah, it, it, it did make. And again, you know, this is now given us something to talk about for the entire offseason. And I, uh, I and I think Mercedes misses the boat. Like, I get that they're ensuring fairness between their drivers. And, 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 and if you're running a team, you sort of have to do that. Your, your teammates have to feel like they're getting equal resources from the team so that the fight is fair. But the fact of the matter is the closer they are and the more they fight and the more they back each other up so other cars can catch up, the better <laughs> it is for all of Formula One. It, it is. And, uh, well, um, we also have another comment from Rob Watts, who is a writer over at Badger GP. Hi, Rob. We're in a WhatsApp group now with him, so we're effectively best friends forever. He says, I believe the analyst in question on this occasion was actually James Vols, uh, brackets, chief strategist. So we're not talking about an intern either, which makes it even less believable. I don't think you get to be a strategist at Mercedes AMG F1 and not be able to see the nuance of what Lewis Hamilton was doing. There's no way. So now that story just just doesn't add up. I believe not now. Not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. So I think now what Paddy Lowe is saying is is at odds with, you know, Mercedes PLC. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, okay, so Rob is writing in the chat room even when we speak. Yeah, uh, James said at one point, make him speed up or the graph shows we will lose. But 
I, I as, as a strategist, I would guess you have to give that information to the people in charge of making decisions. But as a strategist, all you have to do is start looking at sector times and notice that as slow as he's going, Rosberg can't get past Hamilton because he's going faster to avoid at the key strategic spots to avoid being overtaken. And 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 I cannot <laughs> I just I can't believe someone has accomplished his vows would really believe in his heart of hearts. Yeah, that because the graph says it in this particular instance that I should believe the graph and not not what's happening on the actual racetrack. See, Rob Watts now. See, I'll, I will go to you in the chat room and give you more weight than perhaps you deserve. I don't know, simply because we respect you, your sight, and your writing. But he says that Paddy's issue may be more with Toto, and that's my hunch. And that falls in line with what we were saying as well. And it's perfectly reasonable that two reasonable people would not get on. It happens every day. Yeah, well, you know, and again, I, I would look at the longer-term management issues. If he's not cut into the partnership, if he's not owning part of the team... If they're not willing to do that, well, then, you know, as uh, someone with his CV, you got to ask yourself, do I really want to stay here? And, and the answer is probably going to be no, because it's there's only one way you're headed at that point, and it's out. OK, OK, I've got a good segue. I've got a good segue. Speaking of people who had to decide whether to stay or not, Nico Rosberg decided not to. Hey, that was pretty good. If I had that was good. I thought there was a bumper though. I thought you were going to play a bumper to go. Wasn't yeah, it? but that I thought been... I thought of it, and if I didn't spit it out, if I waited to find the bumper on my phone and unlock my phone and do the rest of it, I wouldn't have got there. So anyway, I, I feel like we ruined all the good work we did. But yeah, Nico Rosberg left, and last week we were talking about it. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to talk about it in any kind of neutral or balanced way because I'll be honest. All I was thinking was, "Oh, you." chicken oh unbelievable you've scooted out I've, I've come back to a slightly more reasonable position now also i feared that we were on a panel of five hamfosi and we would have just alienated every non-hamilton fan out there well you caught me i was going to go look for something i'd written a couple of weeks ago um but i don't know that you would have i don't know that you would have because because you trusted the- me to be balanced in that emotional state you give me too much confidence. No, I think because the situation itself admits of more than a first level degree of complexity. It does. It's one of these things where there was a lot of people initially giving very simple solutions to what I'm sure was a very complicated situation for him emotionally. Um, but, you know, so there was a, there was one side that was saying, yep, he's chickened out, he's running away. And then the other side was saying, such a brave decision, such a brave decision. Do you think it was a brave decision, Matt? Well, I think that depends on on your context, on 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 the lens through which you're viewing the sport. And what I would say, and the reason I wanted to go find this 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 clip, is because I actually wrote about this uh, on a couple of races before the end of the season as part of my little intro. Um, and I'm sure everybody's pretty much figured out that that one of the things that I do is I do play professionally on stage. And you do. I have I I have been in some situations that you might consider to be high pressure. You know, like being on TV in front of 
an audience of over 10 million and having to play solos and stuff like that. And there's, what there's I no, can there's no need to be modest, that. Matt. There is no need to be modest. You were trained in a very, very snazzy, high pressure environment. You are a top musician. There's absolutely no need for false modesty here. Uh, you are uh, at the top of your game. You're very, very good. And you can compare musically to the likes of Nico Rosberg in my eyes. Yeah, well, and, and, and what I was going to say about that is, and it's been my observation, uh, both participating in sports at a high level and in music at a high level, that there is definitely uh, a mentality difference between someone who is like a Rosberg and someone who's like a Hamilton. Hamilton, uh, people will probably bristle at the comparison. I compare him to Armstrong. If you yield him any kind of advantage, he will seize it and beat you to death with it repeatedly as long as he can. And if you mm-hmm. don't yield him advantage, he will find something else and try and beat you to death with it anyway. And and I think for Rosberg, he is actually in an odd way, given his choice. I, I have a family. I finally won the thing that was my heart's desire. And frankly, I think it was also very much a monkey on his back. I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. I proved to myself I was capable of doing the thing my dad did. And now I'm finished and I'm going to go live my own life. Thank you very much. In a way, is Nico Rosberg one of the unluckiest high-profile racing drivers of a generation at least? Obviously, in a way, he's extremely lucky because his dad was a racing driver. He was raised in Monaco. He's had lots and lots of money. He could have been a lawyer, a scientist, basically anything he wanted. He was blessed with good looks, intelligent intelligence, money, opportunity. So in some ways, an incredibly lucky guy. However... He was destined to do this. He was destined to be at the top team, to be a a top Formula One driver, to be a star. And then his childhood friend for the last 20 years has just done everything he can to usurp him and overtake him. And if we're talking about Lewis Hamilton, as many people are, as the greatest driver of a generation and up there with the greatest F1 drivers of all time then Rosberg has been incredibly unlucky to have mirrored his career nearly exactly. Yeah, well, I would say you you could call him unlucky in that you had, you know, who would have thunk Lewis would have gone to Mercedes when he did? Yeah, no one was expecting. Mm. No one expected Mercedes to be this good with the new set of regulations. And for Rosberg, who had survived Schumacher and eventually began to surpass him, it could not have come at a worse time. Otherwise, we'd be talking about him as a, as, a, as probably a two or three WDC champion because there's, there's not too many people who could beat Rosberg. I think Alonzo, Ricardo. <laughs> yeah, look, Blackout's uh, making a good... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Point. You know, the, the, the chat's making a good point. They're saying what? So unlucky to be paired with a faster driver. You could say that about any driver, though. If it weren't for the faster ones, they would be world champion. And there's a great line by Rick Mail in Bottom that says, "If I had spent my whole life playing tra- chess uh, and practiced really, really hard and became better than anyone else, I could be world chess champion." Yes, there is an element of that. But would Rosberg have beaten you know other drivers that we consider? That's what you've got to think about, isn't it? So you know what. What partner would it have taken to have beaten Nico Rosberg over the last three years, if not Lewis Hamilton? He probably would have been paired with, were you going to suggest an ageing Michael Schumacher still? Or, you know, he could have got Hulkenberg in that second seat. He could have, there's a number of Mercedes drivers that, Mercedes family drivers that could have ended up in there. And you've got Lewis Hamilton. Not only is it unlucky that he's beaten you, but him in particular, and what you were saying with his Armstrong mentality, not implying he's a drugs cheat, is that, that is more draining as well, being his teammate, um, you know. So, yeah, it's not just a case of it was any other driver. We're, we're, we're painting Lewis Hamilton as a particularly tough driver. Yeah, he is a particularly tough driver. And I think there were a few other on the grid that could have done such a job on him, both mentally and in term, just in terms of wheel-to-wheel combat, because mm. that's, face it, most of the last three years have come down to wheel-to-wheel combat between Mercedes versus Mercedes. And Hamilton has the edge in that. And he has the edge in that because he has, you know, unlike you or me, mm-hmm. he has the mentality of a champion. And it's something he either developed or figured out very early on. He does not hesitate to go for the jugular. And that is not a normal human reaction. <laughs> it is not. Yeah. I mean, I am I work in and around. I know a lot of people from the Stevenage area. So p- people who went to school with him and know him do say that he had you know that attitude out of the box um and he you know he was he was he was always like that uh 
Oh, I've lost my chain of thought, Matt. I'm distracted by the insightful comments of the chat room. Uh, yeah, so Sam Harper was making the point that actually Rosberg could have had more potential, but he was stuck in midfield teams a lot in his early career. And they're saying, well, we'll never know if anyone else um, in Merck equipment with him would have been the equal. That's true. We'll never know that. So yes, of course, this is speculation. Yeah, yeah. It's all speculation because, of course, we're talking about Rosberg's mindset and what he's going to admit to versus what he really thought is something that well, the great Hunter S. Thompson wrote a brilliant profile of Muhammad Ali, and he talked about Ali having these layers that he would let you into. And he said he had about 10. He says, and I think there's an 11th layer and nobody ever gets there. And I, I think, you know, for anyone who's in the public eye, you learn that lesson very early and very rapidly, what you allow people to take from you, what you give to people, how far you let them in. And if I was Rosberg, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. He was in he was going to stay in Formula One till he either was no longer fast or he'd won a championship. And that was his goal. And he achieved his goal. And now he's got a family and money and everything that he wanted. And I don't I mean, you know, it's hard to say that you feel sorry for somebody who has that many advantages given to them. Yep. (laughs) But in a way, I kind of do, because the one thing that's clear from being there is that he was never he never really got the chance to be himself no that's if he true did, i don't think he'd have been a driver and the other reason i feel sorry for him is because yeah he, he lost out to lewis hamilton and many many other people would have done but for the last two or three years where mercedes have been dominant his failure hasn't been like, you know, Weber was often just not on the podium at all. Because they were so far out, the Merck cars, he would finish second, having failed, having lost a lot, and then he would have to be on the podium for his failure to be sort of on display to everyone. And he was kind of being judged by his reaction to that failure, which although became increasingly bitter towards the middle of the season when he looked like he wasn't going to make it, he's been generally pretty stoic about it. So I'll give him a lot of credit for that because he has been front and centre, you know, as his dreams have been continually unfulfilled. But one point I wanted to make about not knowing... um how other teammates would have done against Nico Rosberg. Let's just put Alonso next to Nico Rosberg in 2013 in our metaphorical minds. We know Alonso is also a cutthroat guy. We know he's also fantastic on race pace. However, he's not as relentless in qualifying, would you agree, Matt, in the form of a nod? So, and Rosberg is, Rosberg is good in qualifying. He's he's not slack and he's very, very consistent. So he might have well had an edge and an advantage in that area over Alonso. I think it's it's unfair on Rosberg to not say that Lewis Hamilton was a particularly tough competitor in this era. Well, I mean, Hamilton arguably is the best driver of this generation. So for him, <laughs> so yes, you were speaking mm. truth. You are absolutely speaking. No, but what I'm saying is even with someone like Alonso, who we think of as like an F1 god, there's weaknesses there that Rosberg would have been able to exploit. Yeah, and he would have been patient and bided his time. But the difference, um, you know, well, the difference between Hamilton and Rosberg comes down to about one to two tenths, depending on the car. And, And Lewis when he was on and he was on often enough to be on more than Rosberg was, he always had those two tenths over him. I'm not convinced Alonzo would have had those two tenths. I'm definitely not convinced. No, that's that my point. Had yeah. those two tenths no. or Ricardo for that matter. I think when you're talking about Lewis Hamilton right now, you're talking about someone who's pretty much 
as close to the top of their game as you're going to get. There might be some small things here or there he gets better at, but overall, he he can run a race. Give him a car, yeah. he will he he will run a race. On lap Absolutely. time, in lap time, in qualifying and race pace, he's frighteningly fast and frighteningly consistent. There might be some question marks on other things. Uh, you want to talk about you know decisions uh, in the do or die situations or not? That's fine, but you can't deny that on race pace, on driving a car quickly round a lap, which is very fundamental. He's he's there or thereabouts. But I, I wanted to talk about why I'd come a little. Oh, go on, Matt. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I finally found this this paragraph. Oh, good. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to read it. Good. Do that. Winning is a funny thing. You can win an event, and always as you get close, stray thoughts start to ping off the inside of your cranium, mostly beginning with the words, what if? <laughs> your hands might develop a slight tremor. Heart rate starts to go through the roof, which is where the mental game of a champion sets them apart. Jordan-like, that would be Michael Jordan, from the firmament in which they compete. It's a killer instinct, overcoming lots of social conditioning, and it's why athletes talk of being, quote, unconscious, unquote, in their greatest performances, as do musicians and actors. It's that state where you get completely out of your own way. And the thing is, if you've never been there before, you really don't know when the fear will hit and you will suddenly and tragically realize exactly how much is at stake, which is usually when your game will collapse. Funny thing, though, familiarity tends to lessen the impact. And for Rosberg, he'd been many places, but he'd never been in a position of being able to win the championship. Because even when it came down to it in 2014, it was him versus Lewis for the win because of the double points on offer. Here, all he had to do was finish. And that's an awful lot to go wrong and be in your own hands. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and, And he talked about how nervous he was after he won. And I think that experience, he was like, I, and that's why he was one and done. He's like, yeah, yeah. when it gets down to it, I was not in the sport for the reasons that someone like Lewis or Alonso no. or, um, yeah, he, was in the sport. They're in it for the fight. He was talking I mean, about they, that fight yeah. with Verstappen as if it was a bad thing. And you're like, no, that's not a bad thing. That's everything. It's like I used to race bikes, like the two-wheel kind, like the arms. Yeah, you've mentioned it once point, or twice. There's a point at which you embrace the pain. Yeah. Where where suddenly you get to enjoy how much agony you're in. And when you hit that point, you are unstoppable. I would just ride people off my wheels. And I loved, I loved going fast. I loved everything about it. I didn't care. Put me on a bike. Put me in a race. Let's go. Uh, you know, but if you're there, just like I have to win a race and I can quit. It's the wrong mentality to have. It's not a game you should be in. Yet, yet I find myself having some admiration for him as a human being because he's he's more than a racing driver. He's a human being. He's a very he's a rich human being with a wife and a family. And I can relate because I made this same decision four or five years ago as a, as a 30 year old with two small kids and a wife. Cause I had a job that took me all around the world and I was away a lot and, and I earned more money and we took a significant pay cut uh, and left the job that I actually enjoy far more. No offense to my new colleagues uh, to, to spend more time with the family. And that payoff has been fantastic and absolutely the right decision because your kids are only tiny once. And those guys in the F1 paddock, they make a lot of sacrifices. They get a lot of rewards, but they are away a hell of a lot. And 
if it's genuine, whatever percentage of Nico Rosberg's decision is a genuinely, uh, you know, just being a good father and being a good husband, because there's definitely some of it that he's not up for it, but whatever percentage of it is that is genuinely wanting to be that family man, then I, I approve. I can absolutely see that. And it's a, it's, it is a great decision for Team Rosberg at home. Yeah, and uh, I couldn't agree more. And frankly, I think sort of given that, it makes his achievement all the more extraordinary for all the pressure that Lewis could bring to bear on him. At the end, he didn't crack. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So I'm not going to call the decision brave, but yeah, it's completely understandable. And he he can go home to his family happy enough, can't he? He can hold his head up high and say he was mixing it with the very, very top in the top pinnacle sport of Formula One. And he, he, came, he not only did all right, he came away with a trophy. Absolutely. He has nothing to be ashamed of. And I, although Mercedes is very, very unhappy, I'm sure, with him and for not being more upfront sooner. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, only, I, I, it's know, only a job, though. It. It's only a job. You, you're not, you're not yeah. like duty bound to spend portions of your life in a job. If you don't want to do a job anymore, you stop doing that job. Yep. No, I, I absolutely agree. And my hat's off to him. You know, you say what you will. He had plenty of chances to lose that championship and he took advantage of none of them. And there are plenty of drivers who would not have been able to pull it off. Yeah, that's where you and me differ because I, 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 I think he did well in all the, what you're saying about doing the, you know, staying with the pressure and not folding in the end. I get that, but I honestly think that there's a lot of drivers who would have won it by many more points, and I think it was an open goal. He had a big, big... Many uh, more points, really? You think there are that many yeah. drivers who would have beaten Hamilton that much more yes, often? But, yes, because that's how freakish Hamilton's season was with failures. There are drivers in the wet... Oh, okay, here we go. I'll lay my cards on the table now. Max Verstappen, given the three wet races in a Mercedes car, would have beaten Lewis Hamilton by a lot more than five points this season. Only not- if he could get his tire switched on in <laughs> Monaco, where he did not seem to be doing particularly yeah, well. Yeah, but he didn't anyway, have a muck. He didn't have a muck. The, the difference in the early races with the tires was uh, Hamilton's ability to work them harder and get the temperature into them. You mm-hmm. didn't see Rosberg struggling quite the same way in Brazil, did you? No, but okay, the safety car, the safety car, the safety car masked a lot of the pace difference between Rosberg and Safe, Hamilton. Safety car made it worse for him in Monaco because the tires got cold and he could not get on top of them. If there was no the red similar flags, safety car in Brazil, granted no. it's warmer there, but in the similar safety car in Brazil, he did not have the same issues. If there was no red flags in Brazil, Hamilton could have lapped him pretty much. I think he would have, it, 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 was it a one minute 18 lap? I reckon he would have got pretty close to, to the back of Rosberg. It's, he was that it's, far it's, behind. It's not really about, yeah. it's not really about what Hamilton did at that point for yeah. him. It was about what the uh, drivers behind him did. Okay. And if he'd had the same kind of problems he'd had in Monaco, the last race of the season would have looked a lot different. I get what you're saying, but I, 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 I'm, it doesn't, it's sound, it's sound, I, know, I, I, I want to say that. I'm not dumbing down Rosberg's championship I'm trying to say that but but I honestly think that there are drivers on the grid who would have won by more points I, I, you can point you can point to more situations where Rosberg threw away a lot of points uh, okay let's let's do it okay so you've got the three wet races you've got the the contacts that cost him points as well uh, honestly yes he did well to hold on to that pressure in the end but he made a meal of it in my opinion he made a meal of it but you can make a meal of it and still win the game that's that's not a drama I don't know why I went down this path, to be honest. I didn't want to be super negative about it. I understand his decisions. He made the right decision for Nico Rosberg, and I'm I'm not going to fault the decision to quit. 
Yeah, no, uh, nor nor would I. Although uh, certainly as a fan, you're frustrated that you don't get to see the rematch, which I get from boxing. Yeah, but we saw know. we saw three rematches, didn't we? Basically, we, we so you know Hamilton kind of you know, slight meaningless victory in 2013. He was certainly the lead driver. There was a rematch. Hamilton won the championship. There was a rematch. Hamilton won the championship. There was a rematch. Rosberg won. So you know, we don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not desperate to see a, another. Hamilton Rosberg season. I'm fascinated to see how he does against another driver. Well, I'm fascinated to see how Mercedes will do without Patty Lowe and with, uh, by all accounts, James Allison walking in the door. And I'm very, very interested to see what's up with Silly season next year, as of course next year is Hamilton's. I, I, you know what? You know what I want? I want Hamilton and Verstappen at Red Bull. For the last two years of these regulations. Okay, but Hamilton, Hamilton's not going... so good. <laughs> it would be fine. It would be great. But we're nearly going to get something close to that. Hamilton's not going anywhere. Hamilton's staying at Mercedes. So let's get a start point as we go into sort of some speculation about silly season. Um, do we agree that I think the slight advantage will still be with Mercedes at most tracks... Uh, with Ros- with uh, with Red Bull having the edge at other tracks, so I think there will be an overlap in the top performers with Mercedes still being uh, the top team. So do, do you do you agree with that prediction and uh, Merce- analysis? Mercedes right now is the team to beat, even with Lowe and Allison and all the other stuff going on. What you would look to speculatively, given Red Bull's performance this past season, is you would look for them to be there or thereabouts at the really twisty tracks the ones the ones that require the most <laughs> yeah. efficient downforce and what the joker in all this is is of course with the change in the token system Renault is now free to redevelop their engine as is Honda now i don't think they have the money for doing a complete blue sky clean sheet of paper kind of redesign But they're going to be very aware where they got things wrong, and they now have the ability to just change it and submit a new engine, whereas before that was not the case. There were areas of uh, the power unit that were locked off from development as the seasons went forward. But are you not scared that that also just unleashes the beast for the best engine manufacturer ever, Mercedes? No. No, I'm really not. And that's because marginal gains, if they were already on the most efficient path forward, and it's important to remember Andy Cowell still in place. So in terms of Mercedes power units, they're not looking at the same drop off uh, as potentially uh, the Mercedes team are looking at with chassis and mechanical development and stuff like that. With that being the case, they seem to have hit upon by far the most optimum design. And I believe they would have implemented pretty much everything they were interested in for 2017 anyway. The, their gains will be smaller on a percentage basis than that of Renault or Honda okay. or even Ferrari. Okay. Okay, no, I, I can get down with that. I think the gap will be smaller, uh, but I still see Mercedes as just having the logistical and developmental machine because it's not just – when you say, oh, they've spent more money on it, they're throwing uh, more money at it, they're buying the championship. What you're really buying when you put a lot of money into it is – manpower and processing power and man hours and if you can organize that logistically well you can just develop on just raw pace and just raw 
uh, design engineering effort, you can just design your way to, you know, a premium. And that's why, you know, the big engineering firms in other industries in defense, you know, technology, manufacturing, that's that they work like that as a project. Whereas you look at Red Bull and they seem to have a few characters who who lead top down, if you like. So what you've got is this logistic corporal, corporate machine versus uh, you know, an inspirational few characters, you know, developing down and, and having teams underneath them. We're looking at Samsung versus Apple. Um, maybe. What I'm looking at is I'm looking at the improved performance of Red Bull without much in the way of what we would consider a new aero development. Yeah. And so you have to attribute a large chunk of that is to Renault you know, catching as they do, as they did in the V8 era, uh, yeah. Renault just basically catching <laughs> up and figuring out how to deploy their power efficiently. Now, imagine this. For the last half of the season, you haven't seen a lot of aero updates on the Red Bull. Well, what have they been up to? That's a good oh, point. <laughs> they've been up to developing the 2017 aero. I like that. I think, I think, I think they're going to be on a par with Mercedes. I think in some situations, aero-wise and chassis-wise, they already were. And let's not forget, they also have this rumored rolling road with the driver in the loop that no other team allegedly has right now. Of course, we don't know that they have it because if they have it, it's hidden in a basement somewhere in a secret building on their campus. You know, I don't know. I see Red Bull as being as as properly giving them a run for their money. Uh, like Vettel, as in Vettel's first championship year, I think it's going to be much more like that, where we're going to yeah, see well, see a lot more teams in the mix, depending upon the race and the circuit. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I do. And there's every chance of it happening. What I fear is that people have been focusing too much on what Mercedes can do with an engine and not realizing that actually, even though they've got a completely different aero philosophy, it's just about as good it's it's less you know they go to pile on the maximum amount of downforce they can and power through it but that doesn't mean they're not good at aero that doesn't mean they're not as good at aero as uh red bull and when you look at the mercedes in the wet in the hands of one of the cars it's been every bit as planted and amazing as the red bull in a different way if you look at the gps data you can clearly see that there are some different trends amongst the car which tend to make them about the same speed at the twisty tracks you're you're assuming that i haven't looked at the gps data aren't you that's an insult matthew an insult no it's not i haven't looked at the gps data but (laughs) it's clear if you just watch the cars on track that, that they excel in different parts and in different ways of the track and that the biggest hindrance to red bull right now has been the 40 or 50 horsepower they lack. And also, I think probably the regen solution has been a little bit weak for them. I think Mercedes can call on more power more consistently through a longer period of the race than the Renault engine can. And if Renault is able to rectify that now that the token system has been dispatched with, then then you're going to see a really interesting championship next year that doesn't just involve two silver cars and that's where we get to next so when we're talking about seeing max verstappen versus lewis hamilton we could be seeing a fairly even battle but to be honest as excited as we're getting about max verstappen he's not fully cooked yet daniel ricciardo is the guy reaching his peak in racing powers he's still going to be unless there's some politics we don't know about i think daniel ricciardo is still going to be the team leader there 
unfortunately, it's going to they're going to take points off each other, which is going to hinder. Well, it's going to fall into Lewis Hamilton's hands, especially if he has a number two driver in you know in all but name. I doubt they Mercedes will say here's a number two driver, but there will be no one who can walk in the door for the first four or five races and do better than Lewis because he knows the car. He's yeah. driven the car for the past umpteen, the past three or four years, which will he then, has a huge yeah, advantage, which will then kind of set him as the team leader most likely. So I think in most scenarios, we're talking about Lewis Hamilton being the Mercedes de facto number one driver as we get into mid season there's probably not going to be one at Red Bull. Now at Red Bull, they've been so happy and I don't want to say smug, but having, you know, they've been so like, oh, we're best mates. We all get on so well. Ha ha ha. Look at the Mercedes boys over there having a fight. Uh, I don't think there's going to be as many pictures of them in Day of the Dead face paint, smiling and laughing together as there was last season. Yes, well, if the championship is a possibility, uh, the words multi-21 seem to bounce around in my head for some reason, you know. Red Bull has not been immune to having issues with their drivers and enforcing team orders in particular has been a weak point for them when they've tried to do it. And if they don't do it, stop being silly, Max. Stop it. Stop it, Max. This is getting silly. Yep, exactly. (laughs) If they don't, you know, oh, it could all be so brilliant and glorious. Anarchy and chaos can reign on the racetrack, which is, of course, every fan's dream. Okay, let's get comment out of the week out of the way, because Heartbreak Ridge in the chat room says, uh, from Trumpet's lips to the racing god's ears. Comment of the week. And I just agree with that in general, so... Yeah, no, I, I would, I would, I would be. Ha- I think everybody wants to see a multi-team competition next year, and one like the year that Vettel won would be brilliant because they're going to have like what five different winners in the first five races. Oh, I don't know. I don't are. remember. There was a season like that. It was so much fun. I've just realised that the recording is going to have some of my WhatsApp chat messages come through because I config- configured it wrong. So apologies for that. Uh, Matt, that doesn't leave us too much to say for today. But we're wow. looking at the we're looking at the top two teams here. Mm-hmm. We think the top three teams is going to be the same the same mess at Ferrari third. But Force India saying that they fancy themselves for third. They're looking at Ferrari and saying we can have you. I think they're right. I think they could. That's shocking. That's shocking. There's I no way it should happen. But yeah, it just, well. you know, Ferrari, the problem with Ferrari, amongst their many problems, the problems <laughs> are top-down problems. And and until or unless that gets sorted, the rest of it is a crapshoot. I mean, maybe they get a good car. Maybe they don't. But, you know, they will have hopefully had some stability in the technical department. They've made some changes and how they bring information and development forward. And it's possible that could improve. But Vettel did not look serene. No. In his place. No. He looked under, he looked to be feeling the weight of that responsibility rather heavily. And that's not going to help. If he doesn't have confidence in the car, then he is not going to extract the maximum from it. And that's what Ferrari is going to need to stay ahead of Force India, depending upon who they get in to replace Hulkenberg. So, Matt, I think you were gesturing wildly at me to talk about the overtaking stuff. But since we've run an hour, why don't we save that for our next bit of waffle? Because it was just an interesting you know, uh, piece from uh, Sergio Perez saying that, you know, these 2017 cars are going to be a lot harder to drive. So... 
really all I wanted to talk about was that it's not all doom and gloom with these new overtaking regulations or the new regulations stifling overtaking, because if there's a delta in driver skill being introduced, then we're going to see good racing action. Yes. And all I wanted to add to that was a bit of a comment from Summer, so I'm sure we'll want to fill it out more, that based on the early CFD look at the 2017 cars, it looks like following four to eight cars behind is going to be a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But as you get closer, especially the rear end is going to start to get loose, which should make it a lot of fun as you're trying to get a tight exit from a corner to launch your DRS attack. So we could see a lot more call on driver's skill to be able to get by. Absolutely no problem for Max Verstappen, who starts most of his moves from 15 or 20 car lengths back anyway. Can I tell you, I actually outbraked someone to make an overtake on the highway. You're not supposed to do that. You're driving wrong. I was not driving wrong. We were coming up to a set of very narrow lanes and there was a rather (laughs) wide car and I could see, I'm like, oh, they're going to go. And I just waited. I waited for, I went from a car length behind to a car length ahead and then I stomped on the brakes and I just used all of the road I needed to and it worked out perfectly. So thanks, Max. Appreciate the driving tip. Yeah, so follow Matt Trumpet's advice to get ahead in traffic if it's safe and legal to do so. I don't think that, that is actually good advice. All right, Matt, why don't you uh, you plug some stuff? Um, I will say as a bit of housekeeping for the live stream, about 15 minutes after we finish recording this, we are going to do Spanner's Log, which is a bit of a diary thing. It's not normally on this stream. I just can't be bothered to flick the stream over to my other channel uh, for now. Uh, so please do join us for that, Spanner's Log at SpannersReady.com. Uh, it should be there somewhere. It will be on my Twitter page at Spanners Ready. Uh, Matt, what do you want to plug? I want to plug, well, of course, you can always come find me on at MattPT55 on the Twitters. And please, once again, go buy my wife's books for your wives. Amanda Weaver on the Amazon, she just, her novella just won a second prize in a contest in Orange County. So you can go buy the novellas if you've not bought those. They are available on Amazon. Cool. Otherwise, she has her historical trilogy out and her contemporary as well. And uh, you can see a link to her Amazon page at spannersready.com. If you just scroll down a bit, it's there somewhere. Heartbreak Ridge is saying, Matt moved in the braking zone. And Blackout's asking, did the other guy move while you were doing that maneuver? Uh, no, the other guy didn't move while I was doing the maneuver because I executed it successfully. I, w- I had... I was alongside of, I had the front portion of my car alongside of, <laughs> into the braking zone. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> and and they break, it's hard to explain. It was on this particular parkway where there's a very steep turn and the lanes are particularly narrow. And I took advantage of that knowledge because I knew they would be braking soon because they were in a big enough car that they wouldn't be able to keep it in one lane when they made the turn. And I just bombed past them and stomped on my new brakes that I installed myself along with the rotors. Thank okay, you. last one for the chat room. You're going to have to answer quickly, yes or no. If you're coming up to a roundabout and there's a long queue in the left-hand lane and you want to go left, is it acceptable to go down the empty right-hand lane, go all the way around the roundabout, and then everyone has to give way to you as you then fly off to what was originally the left-hand side? Right or wrong? Let's find out if the chat room uh, have any morals. Uh, Matt, you are at Matt. PT55 on Twitter. Yes, I already said that and gave the the plug for my wife's books. But I could do that again. Go buy my wife's books, please, on <laughs> Amazon. It's a holiday time. season. Entertain your wives while you watch all sorts of racing. It works out. It's a win-win for everybody. Trust me. Okay, then. Um, look forward to a tech time with 
Matthew Summerfield Summers F1. Look forward to Ryan Ferret Ferris doing a bit of a game show for us. What else have we got planned? We've got Badger GP with Rob Watts, Craig Norman. That'll be with me, Matt, and uh, yet as yet unnamed other Matt. Are you sure this is really the off season? Because it seems like we got an awful lot going on. I, d- I don't know. I don't know because at the moment I still feel like F1 is still resonating through my consciousness. I still want to talk about it. I've still got a passion to talk to. I, I assumed that once the season ended, we just go, that's it, Christmas, see you in March. But I, I don't feel like that yet. I think the really hard times are sort of end of January, uh, beginning of February, where you just think, oh, it's never going to start again. Yeah, no, and 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 the testing, but this year it's exciting. We're gonna have brand new looking cars with brand new looking arrow, and there'll be all sorts of completely inconclusive testing that we can use to argue about meaninglessly for ages. Here we go. Okay, then let's just give the chat room's answer to that. Uh, Paul Wright says I do that a lot. Uh, James Fennell says no. Sam Harper says no. And anyone who does it deserves unspeakable consequences. Heartbreak Ridge. Good thing I don't have to drive on roundabouts then. Oh, he must be American. Yes, he is American. Uh, And Sam Harper says so I'm sitting in that lane for 10 minutes because you people can't follow the rules of the road. And on that note, we'll say that follow all the rules of the road. Listen to this podcast if it's safe and legal to do so. And remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever this was Wafflecast it's sort of alright when there's nothing in particular to talk about you can just waffle it's alright isn't it it's not bad well, you know, it gets back to our basic ethos of mates in a pub, you know, like you just show up and talk about whatever is going on. Yeah, but that, that then underlies the show notes we do normally for, for races where I say, yeah, it's super organized. And then people go, no, it's mates chatting in a pub. No, we, we organize it. Honestly, we put some thought into it sometimes. Not on this occasion, though, to be fair. Now, I'm sitting here looking at an outline that says you were entirely incorrect. Well, 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 I put some bullet points down. That's not like the same as the show notes we do for normal. No, we we usually have more facts to throw in there because we're discussing a race. So uh, you yeah. want to make sure everyone's arguing from the same general set of facts. But, you know, this is oh. like just news and speculation and nothing definitive. So Sam Harper's quitting the live stream because he just wants to go home to spend time with his wife and kids. It's a brave decision. So brave. Indeed a brave so decision. So brave. Yeah. I'm going to stop it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.